0: is a map of the human personality. It's a tool for navigating relationships, creates language for what motivates us, and helps us look at the way we look at everything else. Most importantly, the Enneagram's a mirror, because sometimes you need help seeing yourself. My name is Jeff Cook. I'm a philosopher in Greeley, Colorado, and with me is TJ Wilson, businessman, lover of theology, and Enneagram Ninja.
1: Hello! My man! Hey! We are with the fantastic Michael Shehan. And this is actually the second part of our conversation. So if you missed the first part, go back and listen to that one. Get a little context. Learn who Michael is. Uh, Otherwise, we're just going to jump right in.
0: Well, this is a good place to transition because we kind of teased it a little bit earlier. But when thinking about our own, I mean, speaking about ourselves, all of the types have an underlying feeling. And we're going to work on one of them, vocabulary rise. but eights, nines, and ones are going to have an underlying feeling of anger. Twos, threes, and fours are going to have an underlying feeling of shame or sadness, and we're going to discuss that with Michael. And five, sixes, and sevens are going to have an underlying feeling of fear. And so those are all very powerful emotions. Mm. They can be debilitating emotions. Uh, there are things I imagine that in therapy would be hot spots that would, trigger okay mm. we need to uh, trigger is not the right word but that would elicit a perhaps we should do some work here sort of reaction i imagine as a therapist yeah
2: yeah do you say what's your reaction or you have a reaction
0: well so when it's the case that you hear in mm. someone that you're working with who understands like for myself i understand i'm an angry person mm. And I understand that that's probably not going to go away in the sense that someday I'll be free of all anger. Mm. I probably am going to have to do some work to name that and mm. wrestle through it. So I, let's start with anger. All three of us are our body types. Uh, Eight signs and ones all struggle with an underlying feeling of anger. What, what sort of things might come to your mind as a therapist when working through anger?
2: Yeah, so I'd love to start off, I can, talking about each emotion and actually the attachment need that each emotion meets. Can we talk about that? Yeah, going I like on? that because that's so important. Um, again, it's like what we're doing with talking about kids. It's like it's what need is this emotion trying to meet Mm -hmm. so that anger is is this meets this need of autonomy right and control and and it's it's i have my space i'm a person i need to actualize like just growing up we need to know our sense of self and when we differ from others and how we're just so anger comes up when our boundaries are being pushed when we're being hurt it's a protective thing right so our anger is protecting us in a way it's keeping us safe, um, emotionally, physically, it's protecting others. It's providing justice. It's, it's anger at unfair things. It's righting wrongs, things like that. So the, our anger actually has a need. It's good. And then sadness, that emotion comes up when there is a lack of connection, right? When there's loss. And so it draws us toward connection. So we actually need sadness. I don't, I don't like defining emotions as good or bad with my clients. Cause that tends to be unhelpful. They have a need. Smart. And so, and then you go to fear And fear keeps us safe. When we are afraid, there is, our our system has decided that there's something dangerous and you need to look out. If we never felt afraid, we would all be dead already, right? right? Like a car was coming after us, or if we were right next to a cliff, we'd be like, no, cool. we just like walk off it because we weren't afraid. And so just even starting with the fact that anger, sadness, and fear are all super important. And they all are, are sort of these emotions that are meant to get our needs met, our sort of emotional and physical, Uh, attachment needs met. And so I I think it's really important. Mm -hmm.
0: I've been a strong advocate of that. And obviously since there's kind of a spin for us in terms of potentially reframing shame as sadness for twos, threes, and fours, that tends to be the buzzword for folks saying, well, of course, shame is never a healthy thing, is a common Mm. view of some. But I do like the idea of sometimes anger has its place, sometimes fear has its place. These These are underlying survival that at some yes, level yes they're survived they 100
2: percent are survival so maybe not yeah. eating food and water like they're absolutely a survival need to be connected to be safe to be um yeah to self-actualize to so know ourselves and other like that those are important
0: Our clearly clearly our sex drive is part of our survival it's part of our, mm. our the replication of our genetics and but there's places our sex drive can get ridiculously out of whack out of mm. proportion targeting really unhealthy ends. I assume yep. that might be a bad illustration, but it's certainly that's the case with fear with anger. They yes, can get yes, out yes, of whack. Yes. They can target uh-huh. the wrong ends.
2: And, if they get cranked up too high, they start to cause problems, which they is how we can even roll to play. Yes, so, they absolutely. And if we ignore the role they have to play, that gets us in so much trouble. Or if we just say right. this is the most important thing ever. And I'm only going to act from this. That also creates its own problems. Right. <laughs> So it's more of a balancing all three and knowing when they're used and what they're helpful for in this sort of integrated way that I think is the most helpful thing. Yep. So yeah, we can talk about anger. Start with the gut triad.
0: Yeah. With the gut triad, then in anger, I I we a lot of our work right now has been what is the high side of a an emotion mm. or one of these topics in the Enneagram and what's the low side. And so I imagine yeah, I the high side, low side of anger is mm. very much something we could talk about. So I imagine some of your, some people in counseling, you actually would desire them to be more angry at.
2: Yes. Uh-huh. Some self,
0: uh-huh. What is what is the healthy place for anger in uh, in therapy?
2: Mm. And I think that's. I think they can really. I wish there was an easy answer. I think they can vary wildly depending on cultural context. context I mean, all sorts of different contexts. But I think anger is a, a lot of clients. I especially very conservative, evangelical, especially women. Um, don't like want to not be angry. They think they're bad for being angry because sort of in our culture, that's that's not how you should be as a woman. Um, and so like it, there can be like, a I want to stop being so angry. And it's like, wait, like what if there's a reason to be angry? <laughs> right. And so, yeah, I don't I think that's too big of a question to answer simply the kind of high and low side of anger. Mm-hmm. I think when, when I don't know, I, I imagine the, high, the higher side of whatever emotion it is It's when you can let yourself feel it fully without any sort of blocks to it, without invalidating it, um, without beating yourself up, without shaming yourself for feeling it, maybe without hurting other people. Maybe, I don't know, because I could still be, someone might get hurt if you express your feelings of anger toward them. That doesn't mean that's not important. Yeah, so much of the anger issues are the difficult things when people are in my office is when it's being underdone and repressed or overdone Mm -hmm. so much. Because if anger is is anger is such an energetic emotion It flows through you and it's intense and it's powerful. And, and when you shove that down, like it will come out sideways somewhere, yeah. whether it's, it's numbing it out with addictions or coming out sideways in passive aggressiveness or projecting your anger onto anybody, everybody around you. Um, It can look like all sorts of things when it's repressed. And some people don't even like nines usually don't even realize they're angry right. for so long. I remember it was only maybe two or three years ago that I realized that I was angry all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I remember I was, I was awake that morning for about 15 minutes and I realized something clicked in me. Like I've been so angry at like three different things. And I've only been awake for 15 minutes and actually realizing that was really freeing for me. Yeah. I was like, Oh, like I'm angry and that's okay. Like that doesn't mean I'm a bad person. That doesn't mean in, necessarily, I don't know for, re, for nines. A lot of the work looks like even seeing what they're angry about. Mm-hmm. Cause there's the, the stereotype of nines, being just lazy and lethargic and slow moving. I think honestly, the more and more so much of that comes from how much energy it takes to repress that anger.
1: Yeah.
2: It is so much work mentally, physically to not be angry, to justify everything and to no, it's fine. Convince yourself that you're not worried about it, that they did they meant the best. All this stuff just shuts us down. It mm-hmm. cuts us off from so much of our
1: own energy and our own life force that we just end up dead <laughs> inside when we're shutting it down. And and mm. from my own experience, one of the one of the most detrimental thoughts about why I push down anger is because it's not worth being angry about this thing. And it's like the the reality is that is probably something that I should be angry about. Yes. People, yes, people should themselves all over
2: like I shouldn't be angry. I shouldn't be angry. That's not right. That's not like no, like if you're never angry, you're going to be taken advantage of. Yep. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be abused and
1: used. And like, if you don't have anger to protect yourself, then that's what's going to happen. Yeah. And, and you won't tell people that hurt you that they've hurt you. Yes, they'll and they'll keep doing keep it. Hurting you. Yeah. And they'll keep
2: doing it. And then you'll be even more angry that they're hurting you, but they don't even know that they're hurting you. Yep. So it's not their problem
1: in that moment.
0: I would love to make a distinction that I'm hearing here. It's one that's common in my field, but there is the feeling of the emotion Mm. And then there's the observing of your experience of the emotion. So I can say now I'm entering that state of being we call anger. I'm entering that space where I'm feeling afraid. I'm entering that space of lust. I'm entering that space of envy. I'm, I can name those things mm. as an observer. I also know what it, I, I know the feeling of the feelings coming up Physically. and their power. Mm. And so one is a, an, uh, a, an intellectual, a cognitive observational um, experience. And one is a physical, I assume it's a physical mm-hmm. way of being in the world. And those are two different things. That's what I'm hearing. And I don't know if there's something worth talking about in terms of therapy there. I, are you Ooh. desiring to get them to the spot where let's think about the feeling that you're feeling and then how to, how to filter it?
2: Oh, That's such another great parallel to the Enneagram. Cause I think, At their best, when we're feeling our emotions in the most productive way, we can think about them, give a name to the narrative. We can feel them connect with it in our hearts, and we can feel the sensations that come with it physically Mm -hmm. our bodies. So like the head, heart, and gut place. Some people are better at one. Some people are better at the others. Like fives, so good at – they can name it, research it. I read this book about this feeling, but to actually feel it and be affected by it. Yeah, Um, is very hard for them, or to Mm -hmm. point out what they feel in their body is very very hard for them. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I think it takes all three of those things. There's actually sometimes I'll I'll just sort of stay out of this when when you're telling me a traumatic memory. Actually, like when I'm working with trauma, it's like it's way less about what actually happened, the story. It's what you think, the meaning you made of it. It's what you were feeling and what you're feeling in your body those are more important actually. Yeah. <laughs> and to sort of let those kind of all fire in sync and do the thing together is actually one of the best things that you can do, not get, cause we're sort of in our own center more and we just favor thinking or we just favor feeling or just favor like body sensations or, or whatever comes with that to be able to balance all of them, I think is actually creates us more, creates more resiliency to not be traumatized by things in the future when we can have access to all three centers in that way. Hmm. Like here's an example, another vulnerable example. My wife, I brought brought my wife earlier with her cancer. When I found out that she had cancer, that drive home after I talked to that guy was, I had been working with my therapist on not shooting myself over shooting myself or what I should feel or should think. I was like, I'm just gonna let what happens happens. And then I would, I felt terrified in a moment. And then all of a sudden, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? We can do this. And then, uh, oh, I know people have had this, and they've and they've gotten after it. They've gotten gotten through it, like this thinking. And then I would go this feeling like I want to listen to a sad song. And so I listened to it. And I got really emotional. And then also it'd flip to this, what do I need to do? What do I need to do about this? And then it would flip to this, what do I know about this? And I just felt it like going back and forth to all of them. Hmm. Just like my sort of internal self was just sort of taking what it needed from every center. And I felt so at peace when I got home to talk to my wife
1: hmm.
2: rather than in this, I don't want to feel it. I don't want to let that happen. I'm just going to convince them like ignore it. Like, they had sort of letting myself, I think if we, my work with clients is more about taking away the barriers to accessing all three of those spaces versus teaching them how to access it. If that makes sense. I think we inherently know how to, but we're in such a routine of our Enneagram number that we are unbalanced and we favor one, but to have access to all of them, our sort of self knows what to do. Yeah.
0: One of the things that in my field, A lot of the language that you're using has a lot of overtones with ancient philosophy and thinking of ourselves as body, mind, and soul. And if Mm, mm. my body is feeling emotions, the anger, the fear, the sadness, that is a physical feeling. The virtue associated with physical feelings is moderation or a balancing. And so I've loved the language used there in terms of it's not good or bad, but it is the case that it needs to find its right place in your life.
2: Mm.
0: And anytime... So that is a should language, but it's a, and it's a prescriptive language. But <clears> wisdom, <throat> I don't know how you avoid this in terms of thinking about your emotions. There's a place for wisdom to say, here's the proper place for anger, here's the proper place for sadness, here's the proper place for fear. And to say, here is not a proper place for fear. And that's part of the healthy life to wisely be able to navigate your emotional life and then the last mm. one would just be you know doing it you know the courage the virtue of courage is being able to execute what wisdom is saying here's here's the best path but that moderation wisdom and justice are are a list which are the cardinal virtues and when you mm. have them says plato that's the healthy life so anyway wow. that's the language that i'm hearing as you as you navigate yeah. the inner you know, here are your emotions. How do you deal with your emotions? That's, that was the thing coming to my mind. I don't know if that, that has anything more to it than, hey, is
2: this fun? Uh, <laughs> this is part of the republic.
0: But- mm,
2: I, I, I think it's, uh, there's so much, I don't know. I'd I, I like to not be prescriptive on clients. Emo- I don't know that we sort of almost self are self prescriptive. We sort of self police our own emotions a lot. Mm. We, we decide internally what we should and shouldn't feel. Um, whether we absorb that from culture or from what religion we grew up in or whatever sort of dictates what we think is allowed. But there's actually a lot of research that says that I don't think it's the exact amount, but if we fully let ourselves feel a feeling, it lasts no longer than 30 seconds. Mm. But so the example I, I was given in this training a long time ago is if, if we see a big wave coming out of our way of emotion and we turn around and start paddling away, it just lasts longer. It just creeps in slower and slower and affects us longer. Sure. But if we have a sense of safety and connection with another. Uh, real like whether they're present or not present our nervous system can handle it and let the wave go through and it's very short how long it actually lasts so so much i think of, of my clients sort of like what is in there that you are not feeling you, let's feel it together in a safe holding space and then you have so much what you need so much wisdom that comes from that all on its own yeah which i love facilitating that for people that's like my favorite part of it, being a therapist.
0: That seems real healthy to me. My this is both my oneness and my philosopher side that in saying you shouldn't should is itself self-refuting. <laughs> yeah, and it so is. you you can't you can't say <laughs> Only steal in
2: absolutes. Right?
0: So apparently there are some times to say should because you're saying you shouldn't do this. So, <laughs> so let's just find the small <laughs> list of things that are worth should investing in. <laughs> Um, mm. but that might be one of them is is finding finding y- that you can you can clearly and i like i'm a I'm an expert on this that you can clearly get overly prescriptive um, yeah about yeah. about every little detail of your life and mm-hmm. clearly that can be debilitating for especially for for ones who want to do the right thing and the right thing is very yeah. clear to them yes. and loosening your hands there to come back to control mm. is a can be a mark of, of real health in that and mind- yeah. your path
2: so Mm -hmm. because when we go around the circle Mm -hmm. i love saying that with you guys um um, we can we can even talk about the emotion for each number and how it shows up in therapy and the kind of work that needs to be done around that or that tends to look like i think that could be really really practical and helpful for people maybe i don't know if you guys are okay with that actually let's do it let's start with with twos so i've I'm not I'm not quite convinced yet on
0: the sadness side, but I'm, I would love to let this conversation play out. So um,
1: did you want to discuss would, the whole sadness versus shame thing a, first? I love a quick pitch for sadness versus shame. Yeah, I'd love to
2: talk about that because I, I do this on my course with therapists. Because So shame is an emotion that we don't – so we are born with innate the capacity to feel s- sadness, fear – anger babies feel it from day one in utero but not shame shame comes around shame is this socially constructed emotion that tells us what i just did is not accepted by people around me and oh no like i'm in danger of being left out and abandoned which is threatening to us like physically our safety and so shame comes in and says don't do whatever you just did because that's gonna you're gonna be abandoned you're gonna be um kicked out so and, and shame actually blocks every other emotion from being felt it's this weird like um, it, if there's shame about, we don't, it doesn't let us feel what's underneath it in a mm-hmm. lot of ways. And, and okay. sh- sh- it, it sort of stops us from feeling, which I always find this fascinating. I don't know. And the creation story in the sort of Christian culture, it's the first thing they feel is shame when they're sort of kicked out. It's like this, when they're out of paradise, when they're lost, the first thing they feel is shame, which I think is yeah. really apt. And it's this, this idea that I need to hide and I need to not share myself. And I need to disconnect um, because what might happen if I'm seen in this way? Um, And so that's why I think everybody, shame is more related to trauma, in my opinion, than the Enneagram number, trauma and addiction than our specific Enneagram numbers. I think twos, threes, and fours can get a heavier dose because of this, such a need for a sense of identity from other people, Mm. right? It's like uh, the relationship and an identity so that shame comes up more often because so much of their focus is on others and what they think of me and where my identity is. And so that kind of leads them to more of a sense of shame because they- are focusing more, but I think if we're talking about inherent human emotions that we're born with in day one, that it's sadness, anger, and fear, and that's why I like that's why I like defining it as sadness rather than shame. Okay, makes, does that make that makes sense. That's kind yeah, of that, how I like to frame it,
0: and that does make sense. I suppose my quick rejoinder would be: in order to experience a past-oriented feeling, you need to have a past, which a baby in utero lacks. So the shame being a past-oriented feeling requires you to have had some relational experiences. Huh. So that that might just be my quick and dirty, mm. I would, I would want to push into that a little bit because, and part of this is experiential that so many of the two, three, and fours when talking about shame, it really hits. I, I don't know. It does. I've it really heard, does. I don't know that I've heard sadness as much. And on the flip side, I don't know that I've heard, And I, I, I don't know if you'd like to speak to shame in your life. I know that. TJ has spoken about, that's just not, that's just not a buzz. Uh,
2: that's, that's not an emotion that really hits.
0: Uh, mm. Oh, for me, radar. I feel it a lot, okay. <laughs>
2: especially. Cool. Yeah. And it was connected to a lot of, a lot of addictions I had in the past and stuff are very much fueled by shame. This, like, I'm what's wrong with me. I messed up. I can't like, I think it's regardless of your Enneagram number, you can absolutely develop shame. Um, right. and it comes from more than just your Enneagram number, <laughs> but that's fantastic. They don't feel shame a lot. I love that for you. <laughs> it's my uh, eight wing. For, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, the, the sadness for them, I think, is is a little more. I like. I think it feels more fair, which is a lot of my nineness coming out. Like fair to sort of say, rather than this. Yeah, because people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it it, it definitely lends itself to the two three and four lens more than the other numbers but i think it's it's this innate it's not innate because kids don't even develop shame until because when we're born we there's this belief that we are we don't see a separateness between us and the people around us especially like our mother figure like we think we are that there's no boundaries there i am you and you are me our brain like and so that's why disconnection is so terrifying for kids Mm. um and so when that disconnection starts to happen that's when shame can start to come in like this
1: caused that disconnection i need to not do that again right yeah so and and, and I, I think sadness is a little more universal. Um mm-hmm. like like mm-hmm. we all feel anger. Eights, nines, and ones have a focus on anger. Mm-hmm. We all experience fear. Five, sixes, and sevens have a yeah. focus on fear. Yes. We don't all necessarily feel shame. <laughs> like I yeah. I, I, I Eights and me are great example of <laughs> like, it, it's, it's not as universal, mm. but I think sadness is on the surface. At least I think you'd be maybe just, I mean,
2: I've had some clients who are eights who took so long to admit that they thought they were bad and they were ashamed, but they sure. just can't even recognize it at first. Sure. <laughs> I yeah. mean, just that denial is a really intense defense mechanism for the eights. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, that's kind of my pitch on that, on why I like it to frame it as sadness versus shame. Cause I think yeah. shame's a whole different thing then those three emotions. Yeah.
0: I like it. At the, at the very least it's, uh, I, uh, there's all sorts of us that need to wrestle with, with our sadness. And so mm, yeah. valuable. Um, well, Let's do that. So, uh, when you're talking to twos about their sadness, what what comes to mind?
2: Yeah. twos. Twos are definitely are going to repress their sadness more than the other. In a lot of ways, but it's also a, uh, not a, they know it's there, but they don't want it to be there versus the three who doesn't even know it's there a lot. And it's a lot of, um, I don't want to be sad because that's not a good look or, uh, I'll be a burden on other people. Um, I can't, if, if they're sad, then I can't do my thing that usually helping other people or building relationships or being there for other people. I can't do that if I'm sad. So I need to try not to be sad, (laughs) but, um, that's under the surface. It is there a lot more than twos. I think want to admit it's sort of this, like, it's like halfway in their awareness, I think. But it shows up, yeah. And it shows up there's a lot of sadness around relationships, is where it comes out in a lot of ways. Like I lost this person, or I'm sad for this person or this person happened and it just really affected me. And I'm really sad about it. Yeah, it's 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 way less present than threes and fours, uh, than fours, especially. But yeah, that's how it comes up. I I remember one uh, client's crying who are twos and then apologizing afterwards. <laughs> like um right. just being shocked that they did that and and I'm sorry, or or I had a client who when I they, my client started finding out about my wife. I had a client who's a two say, what right do I have to be sad in here when you're going through that? Mm, yeah, I was like, whoa, like what does that have anything to do with yours? It was, it was shocking to hear
1: that. Sadness might be okay to experience, but because twos are so focused on uh, external relationships, mm. they, they can't feel their sadness because that automatically puts that sadness on the people around them.
2: Mm, yes, it gets in the way of kind of what they're wanting. They think They think it does. Right.
0: <laughs> the thing I heard there is that, you know, 2s, 5s and 8s are all going into relationships expecting rejection mm-hmm. and that's what I heard is that there's already a shields up for yeah. the relational sadness that they might feel and so the repressing of sadness is like they've yep. already prepared for the emotion because, of course, they're entering the relationship expecting rejection.
2: Yep, yep. Or they sort of were taught early on that there's no place for it. Your place is to help other people. Mm -hmm. So you can't be sad. I don't care what you think. You have to help dad do this or you have to be responsible for this. It just doesn't even leave room for them to feel their own sadness, even if they wanted to a lot of times.
0: I love the idea that threes move into the threes uh, that experience sadness and say this isn't a good look. Mm. Um, I re- recall walking in. Uh, my wife was watching something that reminded her very deeply of her mom. My wife never cries in mm. movies. I'm a movie crier, and she always uh, is quite observational about wanting to see if I'm crying during you know whatever. Which you know, cartoon is every on the time screen? It ruins <laughs> it. <laughs>
1: Takes you out of the moment, and It does,
0: but she's in there just watching this, just weeping. And wow. I came in, and she got so mad. No that way I, that I caught okay. her crying. And wow. the idea that this is not a good look is, mm. I think, spot on.
2: Like, yeah, wow. I've any clients that I've had who's a three when they would cry, they would go straight into fight or flight mode.
1: Like I had a client yes. who cried; yes. and he
2: would not look at me, and I saw his legs were tapping, tapping. And I said, "What do you want to do right now?" He said, "I want to run away. I want to get out of here." never come back it's such this like you're like you cannot see this this is not good i don't have control of this. this is not how i want to present myself it's so off from how they want to be and if you see that especially oof, it feels like everything's at risk for them but mm-hmm. i've also found is threes connect a lot with music and animals um this kind of this sort of sadness but disconnected and like a safe distance kind mm-hmm. of I think a lot of threes I know can be very emotional around music and be really touched by movies and stories and music. And I don't know, I I see that a lot with threes, maybe not all threes, but it's this um, empathy from a safer distance to where I can feel this way. I don't know. I I see that a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of fear of their own sadness.
1: Much in the same way that like nines are unaware of their anger. Like they, like, and and so like it, it comes out sideways for us threes. Uh, th- because they're they're not fully engaged with their own emotional center, they're not they're not fully engaged with their what's what what they're feeling on the inside. Because they're they're spending so much energy putting on this mask and like doing this yeah. work to make sure that their presentation is a certain way. Mm-hmm. That like the act of experiencing sadness, especially if it's causing someone to have a physical reaction like crying, they don't have control over that. They're not mm-hmm. presenting the right image, but also. It's coming out of them sideways. They don't really know what's happening. Uh huh. Uh huh.
2: It's surprising. Or yeah, uh I have a friend who's one of my best friends is a three, and she, uh, she'll every once in a while be like, "Guys, things have been so bad in my life for the last two weeks." Like, what? What? Me and my other friend that we talk, like, what? Since Uh when? Like, it's like surprising for everybody, Mm -hmm. even her sometimes, because it's so hidden. Yeah.
0: It's something that we've been talking quite a bit about recently is that for two threes, and fours, many times in order to get their their minds and hearts around the world around them, it needs to get into the past. Mm. Threes aren't going to experience the 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 grief or the strong like internal feelings, their own feelings until the event has passed for a little bit. Mm. Uh, but in the moment, they're on point.
2: They're on point. They will grieve before or after, but on yeah. the moment, they are... Yeah, no emotion. <laughs> yep.
0: Very aware of what they're supposed to do right now. And, yep. and only until the event gets into the past and they can do something. So that makes a lot of sense that I've had a hard time this these last two weeks. Mm, like, yeah. Because oh. now it's in the past and now you can oh, sure. actually
2: do analysis. Who was it? I think it was Beatrice Chestnut who said uh, in some panel of hers online, uh, somebody said uh, as a three, sadness isn't very aerodynamic. <laughs> mm. So I don't like it. It's slow, it goes against, I yeah. want to move forward. I want to achieve. Yes. And to be sad slows that down. So I need to not. And then it just compounds on itself. <laughs>
0: I think that that may be true of all the, I may be speaking wrongly here, but for three sevens and eights, for mm, all the aggressive totally. types, I can emotions, see that emotions are baggage or they're mm-hmm. obstacles.
2: Um, at least most slowly. of them for the sevens, probably like half of them are good for them and half are bad. <laughs> right there, <it> is. <laughs> Just got to split that cleanly or attempt to at least. Fours
0: never experienced sadness, of course.
2: Nope. nope.
1: <laughs> um,
0: I imagine this is a tricky place to go because as, as in some ways, the four's authentic emotions of sadness are going to be valuable. And on another side, you might need to name. I'm not sure this is helping you, pal.
2: Yeah. They can almost use this like melancholy depression so, as like a defense. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've ever heard a phrase this way before, but I love this idea that, if a four is sad about losing something or sad about something, they're still connected to it. Mm. If they stop Ooh. being sad, they're no longer connected to it anymore and they tr- yeah. truly lost it and it's not a part <laughs> of them. So it's this like yeah. connecting with something through sadness, which is, makes zero sense to every other number on the Enneagram. <laughs> 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 There's almost like, a sweetness to the sadness that fours can almost, they almost like it it can feel good. Like an eight with anger. Like it feels good. It's powerful. Like for a four to feel sad. It's like, this is meaningful and it's deep and it's rich. And I like it, which I felt before in brief bits. Mm. I mean, I feel like I have felt that of lots of things as a nine, but I don't, I don't stay there ever. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I, I haven't really thought about fours and nostalgia on that front. Though the image that came to my mind, you may have seen the Pixar film or it's a Disney film, the Coco one where the, they go to the land of the mm. dead. And if, I have if not actually for, seen that. But. If people forget you, this was part of it. Like mm. If people forget you, then you, you disappear in the afterlife. So this is why it's really important to keep wow. pictures of your ancestors up so that you can remember, here are the people who have come before you. Mm. Uh, that was the
2: image that came to my mind. Yeah. I mean, this is probably but, an image from, on so many different things from Pixar movies. Those can be on point. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so another thing with fours, I hear a lot from clients. It's like, yeah, I really need to grieve more on my dad. Or like, do you though? Like this is, or I, I finally let myself grieve my dad. Like, I thought we've talked about that for weeks.
1: <laughs> right,
2: right. Like it's just like this continual need in their mind to feel sadness and to ramp up these emotions. Cause it's important. It feels like I'm not doing what I should be doing. I'm supposed to be doing. If I don't feel it, it feels inauthentic to not Mm -hmm. ramp it up, which is always interesting to see.
0: Yeah. Attraction to the depthier emotions Mm -hmm. clearly in my sphere, which I have cubicle life. I have in my car going home life. I have breakfast cereal life, but then I have this big depthy emotion of my parent who died Mm. clearly that's, what's going to get my attention. Yeah.
2: Mm. Yeah. Uh And need to get more and more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's I can't let it go because that's not good.
0: Some real there. Yeah, you got that. You got on that something.
1: Well, and it's it's also the idea of maintaining connection. Like, mm. my my mom passed oh, away uh, a few months ago, and uh, like so, I'm I'm. Like processing this as we're talking about it, and like, oh no, am I a four? Uh, I'm not. But <laughs> the Typical the idea nine thing of experiencing intentionally maintaining that mm, maintain. that sense of of sadness of of grief in order to maintain the connection to a a lost loved one. Mm-hmm huge piece or if, if you if you resolve it if you go through all the way through the grief and and come out the other side of it then then now that person is truly lost to you
2: yes it's scary to yeah, give sure. up for them sure again because it's much more than just the emotion it's everything that comes with it and the connection right. and it's even fours even just as a whole unconsciously grieving this like time when i was complete as a kid
1: mm, when i yeah. when
2: i wasn't missing anything when i had everything and when i wasn't abandoned and it's like there's this almost grief about that, yes, that they have lost, and yeah. just permeates everything, even yeah. not even out of like specific contexts of loss. Mm-hmm. I think it's fascinating how fours work yeah, that way.
0: That's lovely. <laughs> I was I was thinking, can a four envy their former self in that way? That
2: what, <laughs> yeah, probably. In <laughs> that's interesting.
0: The uh, is there a quick word just in case? Is there a quick word for two, three, and fours on wrestling through shame that they may experience? Just. On the, the fact that two, three, and fours all have a desire for attention, mm-hmm. relational connection. Ju- uh, we're not going to go into shame individually, but a word on things mm. that come to your mind in terms of therapy there?
2: I don't know, because it can be so different, two, three, and fours, right, with how they approach that. But I think okay, sure. such a huge thing that all of them experience is this, what's wrong with me that I feel blank What's wrong with me that I do this? There's like what's wrong with me? Like nothing.
1: <laughs> right. There's you your
0: unhealthy should,
2: right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. There's all that exists with every two, three. Like, what's wrong with me that I'm doing this? Why am I like this? And it's usually other people focused. Right. It's like I'm being told or I think I should feel this way or I'm not. And so what's wrong with me? It's like, who told you that? Like right. <laughs> you're allowed to feel what you feel. That's yeah. Yeah. It's important, but yeah. And then it gets into the four is like, okay, cool. And they just take that and run with it. But so it's hard, it's hard to do the all of them, but I think that's what I would say. Like nothing is wrong with or, or, or sort of this um, is what you think you quote should feel. Where's that coming from? Right. Like, Oh, I other people actually like, no, look at you, Like, like there's so much wisdom in what we feel. Um, but sort of ignoring that in favor of it's so easy for two, three and four is to absorb other people's, ideas of how they should be feeling mm-hmm. such a huge, like factor for two, threes, and fours around their emotions. And so to more ground themselves in what they are feeling in the moment disconnected from everybody else's expectations is very difficult, I think, but important.
0: Boom. That's good. Okay. Moving to the five, sixes and sevens, we move into the, the fear triad, uh, five, sixes and sevens all, uh, think about the world in the future and filter the world through this future focus. And that. Causes an underlying feeling of fear because you can never predict the future. Of course, mm. um, you want to talk about fives and and wrestling with fear.
2: Yeah, I think fives the fear is around depletion so much more than the other numbers, mm. depleting of their resources, of their energy, of their social meter, their physical things, this yeah.
0: Well in therapy, will you be able mm. to I imagine fives are quite difficult to get some information out of at times. <laughs> information? <so> even- no. <laughs>
2: emotions, yes.
0: There you go. We'll t- we'll talk about that. Like
2: um Yeah, they're so in their heads. So in their heads. Asking them to actually feel their emotions is like pulling teeth at first. <laughs> right. It's like, hold on, stay with me. Stay with me. It's 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 in our culture as a whole, asking somebody how they feel, a lot of times they will answer how they think. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. fives just are the archetype for that. <laughs> it's like, hold on. Didn't ask what you thought. Try again. And sometimes over and over. And it's hard. It's like use a one word emotion word. This is difficult mm-hmm. for them to parse that out. <laughs> um, it's so funny. And some of the just the tell, I'll sort of recognize their tells and they're like, and they're like they'll look up and back and forth and back and they're just whoop, you're in your head. Nope. Pause. What are you feeling right now? Feeling. Um, it's difficult for them. But so much of that is this is the fear isn't as obvious for a lot of fives, I think, Mm -hmm. um, because it's such an innate thing in them to kind of uh, uh, mitigate any loss of their energy or their resources. They won't even get themselves into situations where it risks it. So they don't feel this active fear a lot, I don't think, because they're so careful with what they're doing. I heard somebody say once, if I'm a do the five, like if everybody's jumping into a pool, I'm going to be the last one. I'm going to watch everybody make sure everything's okay, and they don't do anything dumb. And once I then I'll go. Or another guy in the same panel said, if I'm a pencil and I play my cards right, I'll never have to use my eraser. <laughs> and so it's like with a the five, there's such a, it's hard for them to connect with directly because there's so much preparing and learning and not even getting into situations where they may be unprepared or stretch to the limit that they don't feel that fear a lot. But so much of this is the preparatory stuff if I learn this and the fear
1: of being incompetent is huge for vibes too. Yeah. Like I'm not good enough at this. I don't know enough about this. And there's a fear there for sure. And and they don't they don't really recognize that the reason that they need to spend the time and energy and 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 like gather the resources is because they are afraid of not yes. having that in the future. Yes. And it's they so just hard like to see directly. Because they're so far in front of it that in front yes that's a yeah. perfect way to say it they're so far in front of it yes that's a great
0: are, are you able to name the fear four fives that you're speaking with when they oh, talk yeah. about their behavior on that <laughs> and will they resonate with that kind of language or is that something that i'm gonna have to think about that for a minute
2: you know um probably that one but hopefully we'll get there eventually um, right. <laughs> um yeah when you start pointing it out that kind of preparatory piece like what you're afraid of like if i say okay imagine you jumped into something without preparing like ooh, there it yeah. is now i yep. feel it <laughs> yeah kind of this sort of hypothetical kind of changing up just even in their mind like yeah or what if you didn't know this or didn't then it's like oh i feel it yeah i think it, it, the goal is hopefully that they do eventually see it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but pointing it out can be tricky
1: it's I've I found I found that it's actually a lot easier to po- point at the fear of fives in a group setting mm. because yes. But like the, 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 you only have the one the, it's, it's the one trick at that point. But like, if, if you're asking the group a question, the five is immediately afraid that they're going to get it wrong or that they're mm. not going to know what to say. Oh wow! And, and like, if you can point that out, even if you give them time <laughs> to get in front of their fear. So like we had a group yesterday where we went around the table and asked uh, a specific question and our five who was second to last, pointed out that like she was able to observe everyone else mm. entering first and sort of prepare herself for what she had to say. And like like if you can point out like what you felt at the beginning of that, when you realized that you had to talk and you didn't, you weren't prepared yeah, yet before that, was, the, that you was prepared.
2: Fe- that's yeah. That's a fantastic. Yeah. Cause the, with that, with sort of withdrawn type, they're pulling in and observing mm-hmm. and checking everything out. And if you can catch them before they get to figuring all that out, then yep. the fear is totally there. Yep. That's a great point.
0: I want to move on, but I have to ask one more question on this. The, the feeling that is there for the five of fear, that's motivating their behavior but they're not saying that they're fearful. Are they? Are fives aware that they're fearful and not sharing it? Or is it the case that you need to, that there is a, I need to show you that this feeling actually is undergirding a lot of
2: your behavior. I think it's, I think they're, yeah, I think they're very much aware of it and I have to show them because they're so good at, so fear response or, or prepare. So I never have to feel fear. And so they're kind of, disconnected yeah. in that way mm-hmm. but like yeah. this it's such an automatic thing to start preparing that you have to pause them before they're preparing to point out kind of what's between the thing and the preparing yeah. it's but once you can do that it's way easier to see it, especially than sixes sixes will deny it way more than fives i think in a lot of ways depends on how familiar they are with the enneagram actually because it's so common to teach sixes about fear they see it easier in a lot of ways right. but if a person is not versed in the enneagram as a six i found that it's actually more difficult to point out they'll call it preparedness or practical sure. or realism or whatever
1: oh that's a good that's a good word nobody uses the word realism more than sixes <laughs> yeah if somebody says no, i'm not a pessimist i'm a realist that means they're a pessimist <laughs>
0: <laughs> well uh you yeah, to transition to the sixes mm-hmm. i imagine you will hear the uh the, the fear coming out and in therapy with the last sixes, how, how do you uh, navigate that with sixes?
2: Yeah. It's so interesting, especially because sixes, there's such a spectrum between that phobic counterphobic kind of idea of what we do with the fear. Mm -hmm. Right. And they can look so different. It's interesting, but it's, but it's all fear. Always fear, no matter how much bravado is there, how much walking into dangerous things or intention, like there's fear there. And that is really hard to point out, especially for, because it doesn't look like fear. Mm-hmm. There's fear of themselves, fear of things around them, fear of people, the paranoia. I'm convinced that most conspiracy theorists are would be more sixes than anything else because it's mm-hmm. a, a fear of the unknown. And I need to figure, it feels like logic to think about something that's in the dark that I can't see, but yep. it's not. It's con- pure conjecture. Mm-hmm. Conjecture. Um, yeah. But a lot of sixes are like, I'm not afraid. I'm just, I like to be prepared. <laughs> I like to be ready. I'm practical. I'm prepared. Yeah. That, that, that language comes out a lot. Um, I love the example of, I had a client say this once he's this very counterphobic six, like pushes himself so hard, so many intense situations. And he gave this example. And then I added the other one for the, for the uh, phobe more of a phobic six. If, if, if the six is in a boat in their wo- a small boat, they're worried it's going to sink. A counterphobic six is going to start looking around for a bigger boat, somebody to help them fix it. So another boat to go into, not theirs. A counterphobic six, well, I'm going to jump in the water and swim for as long as I can so I can prove that I don't need this boat. <laughs> mm. yeah. But there's a fear of not being able to swim and take care of myself. Sure. So this, this client has always said, he said, if he's afraid of something, he has to do it which is still he's he realized one day it clicked and he brought it to me with his brother he was blown away he's like i'm afraid of being afraid of something mm-hmm. which is still fear
1: yeah <laughs> he's like and, I and fear that. is still ruling your life <sighs> yes absolutely it's yeah. still
2: ruling every decision that you make in that yep. like whether you're hiding and needing other support or trying to do it yourself or whatever it's fear so that i'm not yeah and so that comes it can look so different for sixes mm-hmm. it can absolutely paralyze them or it can make them run into something really difficult and scary and potentially dangerous, but still fear. I had a client who was one of the most intense clients I've ever had. Very racist. Got kicked out of a hate group. Um, That's real Wow. Um, because of how racist and threatening and all just, yeah, it was intense. And he said, he admitted one day that it was fear. It was unreal to see him admit that, but he said, if I don't pick a side, I'm going to get run over. And that always Mm -hmm. stuck with me like this I have to even if I don't he didn't say this part but even if I don't believe fully the stance I'm taking it's better than being in the middle somewhere so I have to sort of th- like pull everything in this direction and be suspicious and project everything and scapegoat certain people because they're the problem and, and it can get really intense looking the fear and scary it can look violent and angry um and dangerous coming yep. from fear fear can be so destructive <laughs>
1: And I think like, like this is the last of those, those anchor points. The like sixes have such a, a disconnect with how they process their fears. Like, fives yeah. work so hard to get in front of it, and, and sevens were working to get away from it, which we'll talk about in a minute. But sixes, like, they, they don't, like, their, their processing of it is, is, is broken in the way mm-hmm. that like threes, that's a great way to process. Sadness mm. is broken, yeah, um, it's convoluted and so it, and, yeah, it comes yeah. out in this like it's it's either overdone or they they rush into it
2: yeah yes yeah. there's there's the convoluted piece, the whole um so get political kind of, and you can cut this out if you want, but like the people saying with the whole pandemic hit it's like you're all living in fear of this virus, it's like you're. <laughs> you are in fear that the government is trying to control you with masks and take away your rights. Right. That's still fear. Right. Yeah. Like you are, you are not away from fear. Like it's project, that's just classic six. Like yeah. you are all afraid and you shouldn't be. Don't you realize the government is trying to control us. And this is a whole conspiracy Starting. It's like, Whoa, how is that not fear? Right. Right. <laughs> it's yeah. so, but it's so hidden from them. They don't mm-hmm. see it. They see it as I'm being practical and I see the truth. Right, and it's and it's just oh, they're so led by intense presentations, and somebody who talks like they know what they're thinking. A six will, okay, cool. Then I'll trust you, and it's it's not logic, and it's so. It's a, I think it's I would. It's a scary place to be in the head of six. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: that as a thinking repressed person myself i can speak with some authority on on this <laughs> that my thinking repression comes in in a different place in terms of uh, the present moment in terms of what i ought to be doing and and, and not even understanding my own behavior but the value for, the thing that i need most is wisdom about my place in the world and really focusing on what is wise and that's the the same for sixes is it's a different kind of they're they're dealing with fear, not anger. I deal with anger. What is wise in terms of how the world is coming at you and all the hypotheticals are out there bombarding you all the time. And the only shield you got mm. is wisdom. And if you can't get there, conspiracy theories. Feel like they're going to protect you. And yeah, it's yes. just yes, it's an idol that is worthless, and mm. we we know it's worthless because I can show you you know three millennia of conspiracy theories, mm. and and mm. the ridiculous things people have believed over the over the countless years, and how many of them proved to be false. Obviously, sixes here's another problem that sixes need to shore up their anchor in the past. Um, they don't have an anchor in the past, and so that can be a very difficult thing, but that's part of wisdom, it seems to me. If if, if it's the case of year six and you wrestle with that sort of thing here, specifically
2: with conspiracy theories, here's the road forward. And and if you are able to address your fear and soothe that in a different way, because the conspiracy it's it's an attempt to soothe your fear, right? Like I want to be prepared and ready and know what I don't know. But if you're able to in therapy address your fear directly, learn how to tolerate it, then you don't Mm. need all these other sort of defense mechanisms to even to handle it anymore because you're able to meet it directly.
1: Yeah, that's a great word. Well, and and much like threes needing to uh, learn how to trust and and engage in their own emotions. Mm, Sixes uh-huh. need to learn to trust their own judgment. They need to learn that like their their fears are not necessarily unreasonable, but but they are capable of navigating what those fears are. And and completely relying on someone else's authority is is not getting rid of your fear. It's it's just shutting it. It it's just trying to put a band-aid over yep. it with someone else's uh with someone else's judgment. It's
2: with, mm-hmm which happens in therapy.
1: Yeah, relying on an institution, relying on a conspiracy theory. They're the same Or a therapist. Thing. They're, they're not <laughs> trusting your own judgment.
2: Yes, which is interesting. Six is like almost like they will want to make me their authority figure to tell mm-hmm. them the right way to do things. Right. And I will refuse right. <laughs> as best I can because that's what they need. They don't need right. me to just be another, another version of their ego defense of finding a – and so six is I'll say – like usually when I start with them, I'll say – They'll say, what is this going to look like? What do we need to do? What do I need to prepare for? How is this therapy going to look? And I'm Mm going to say, we'll talk about that. But right now, not knowing, what is that like for you? (laughs) (laughs) What I'm not telling you. It is awesome and intense. (laughs) (laughs) Because it kind of steps behind the curtain of their, yeah, when we don't have our ego defenses that we normally do, we're faced with what's underneath that we normally don't even see in the first place because they're so automatic. Right.
0: Spot on. Yeah, the last of the the fear triad are the sevens. Um I imagine therapy with a seven is 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 oh, good times and and then there <laughs> there might be a crash occasionally.
1: I feel like therapy with a seven is only ever the the hard side. Oh, really? The hard side? Like, like do you do you, do you ever have sevens who aren't going through something serious?
2: Mm I don't think anybody, I think everybody's going through something serious sure um if we, if we look at it like that I mean sorry to like totally non answer that question um s- sevens are so interesting the only people I have ever had flake and never come back and never respond only people sevens hmm. Sever- several yeah. of them uh, it's yeah. healthy for my heart right now and, and, and <laughs> what do
0: you mean I got I am get, I'm getting ghosted and
2: I'm mad about it
1: <laughs> <laughs> um
2: the when i shifted a few months ago my i this software i used to schedule clients i shifted to where my clients have all the control of canceling and rescheduling things mm-hmm. because i was taking so much time <laughs> guess what happened to all the sevens they,
1: they all did <laughs> they start canceling reschedule. they just yeah.
2: start canceling 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 and then it was it was unreal to see like how much F, which shows me how much effort it takes for a seven to show up to a place <laughs> where we're talking about hard emotions mm-hmm. so yeah. difficult for yeah. them it is like a threat like it's unreal. Um, and so to see them. And so it's either, there's a lot of rabbit trails. Cause there's almost like a fear of talking about the hard things. Mm-hmm. And so it's like going rabbit trails and it's fun. And I'm like swept up in it sometimes like, Oh wait, like what, how are we talking about? What, what are we yeah. talking about? Like you just brought me along to these awesome, exciting stories and I loved it. And I just kind of got taken, taken, swept up by it. Um, and so to kind of, I had a client once and, and there's sort of any of their emotions. And so there's such a fear of feeling anything. I had a client once who, she lost her mom. Her mom died very close to in front of her, found her when she was like young teenager. Mm. Went back to school three days later, never processed it again. until Mm. she started started seeing me over 10 years later. It was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. It's such an unbelievable ability to just shut it off. And we were talking once and I saw her eyes glisten and she paused and then kept talking. And I said, well, hold on. What did you just feel? And she said, nothing. I didn't feel anything. What are you talking about? I was like, can you go back just a second? And then she realized, oh, I just felt sadness. It was so automatic. The fear of feeling it that just whoop, go onto it. And that's what the mm-hmm. seven's fear looks like. It's just a next thing, next thing, fast paced. What can we do to have fun? What could like just, and it's so fear based. It's, it's fear of what could happen if I stop, if I don't do this, if I don't. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's how I see it a lot. It's. Yeah, I've had seven who are really aware say like, I know I want to make a joke right now, but I need to sit with this. I'm like, oh, I'm so proud of you right now. Yeah, and it's so right. like just seeing them feel it. Yes. I just seriously yes. light up.
1: Oh, that's so good.
2: <laughs> mm. And yeah. as that client with with her mom, uh, after over a year of work, she said, I think I'm ready to process this. I was like, oh, I started crying. So I was like, mm. wow, that, just knowing how huge of a thing and then we didn't for a few more weeks. And then we did. I always tell when, I, when I, I teach this to like therapists, like it needs to be a slow circle into the trauma for sevens, especially mm-hmm. because the the quicker you go in, the more harshly they'll like throw up that sevenness, the deflecting and sure. joking and all that stuff. It's,
0: it's said by me frequently, and it's only because there's popular examples that sevens often are the type that I see most frequently taking their own lives. I don't know if uh, like in terms of, I Mm. suppose it's just in popular culture. That is my only reference point, Mm. but people that would normally type as a seven just from a very, from a distance and just, I'm just guessing obviously, but, but I'm like, Oh, unable to get to that spot where they're able to do the hard work. And you hit that, that spot where, what do I do with this? And, this is the escape you know
2: yeah sure especially when like this heavy heavy depression isn't just sadness um it's like sadness unfelt built up over time Mm -hmm. all these emotions that we need to feel that we don't and just sevens are so good at not feeling it that i can Mm -hmm. just really and they're so good like it's almost the more they double down on ignoring it the worse it gets and it's just like something's got to give in a huge way with sevens right sucks there
0: and that there's the answer i mean that's that's why that would in theory that would be why i think
2: yeah that would that would make sense to me and i don't know that's just anecdotal but that makes a lot of sense and that's why people can be so shocked by it too like what like they seem so happy and fun and like yeah of course they did
0: yeah you see memes of that sort all the time where it's like this is what depression looks like and it's the all these very bubbly superstars that you Mm -hmm. know and you're Mm -hmm. like well there it is
2: yeah yeah is wild thing bring our cult yeah our culture just furthers that too doesn't give us the tools and the time and the permission to feel anything and so it builds up in everybody
1: mm-hmm. well and and uh like coming back to the idea of fear uh like the the way yeah. that i see the way that i see fear show up in seven so often is is has been reframed already so that they're not even mm, really aware yes. of the things that they're afraid of because they've they've change the way that they think about that fear so that it's not actually a fear quote unquote yes,
2: it's a growth point or it's yeah. a, a learning yeah i the mind games they can do with themselves are ama- amazing I had a mm-hmm. client who's a seven she said when she was a little kid in like elementary school she had to walk from one building to the other like once a week to deliver this thing and she saw this ugly bush every week mm-hmm. and she t- she in her mind said i want to make that bush beautiful i want to think it's beautiful and forced herself to see the bush as beautiful mm-hmm. and it worked yeah Sure. It's like this kind of mental exercise she would do as a kid for fun. And that's like, that's so seven.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> reframe that sucker it brings us to the anger triad. Uh, eights are going to be uh, wrestling with anger and that's an outward anger. I imagine what does it look like to, to work with eights about their anger?
2: Mm, it is intense. I, there's one client I had, who's an eight. I have to, I have to I have to put her at the end of the day. Cause there was so much energy that I absorbed from her. I would have to like scream it out or sing it out or something in the car on the way home. Cause I just whoosh, like a sponge, she would right. come in hot. And AIDS can call it passion a lot or intensity. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just so many things filter through anger and it can feel good for them. It can feel powerful and they like it. Um, and it's a way to connect sometimes with people. It's really interesting And they can be angry about a lot of But it, however, if it's a, if it's a woman, it can be different because it can be more shame around it in our mm-hmm. culture yeah. it, it, attempted to hide it more or a bursting out of it more or a, yeah. Cause they're not so quote supposed to be angry. And so they have hold way more shame about it, but yeah, it's just there and it's this, n- I'm not going to be controlled. You can't tell me what to do, which leads to being controlled. <laughs> right. I had a, a, a client say, He lost his job. He called his dad about His dad said, okay, you need to go home. You need to start on your resume. And and he said, what I wanted to do in that moment was to go home and delete my resume. It was Mm -hmm. like, like, do you realize that he's controlling you right now? Like that is not your want. That is a reaction. Yeah. (laughs) Which is so, and and eights hold a lot more trauma around places that they were powerless compared to other numbers where they couldn't protect themselves, Mm. which is really interesting. Um, That anger couldn't protect them, couldn't save them, couldn't let them do what they needed to do because it's such a tool that they use in a lot of ways without realizing it. Yeah, that can be really intense.
0: <laughs> do you find, I, so we've talked about this in the past, that, but as a nine working with an eight, I imagine that you, I hadn't heard this from you mm-hmm. yet, but it felt like that part of your vocation may also be kind of difficult is, because you're trying to create calm for mm-hmm. that client. Is it? I don't know if there's anything we're saying there. We can get back to eights here in a second, but I, I found that interesting.
2: I think it's so. But sometimes to create calm and safety for an eight, it helps to be combative to yeah. make fun of them. I'm the eight client who's an eight once. I made fun of her. She she was like, um so I haven't been in for a while. Like her pattern was, I can't come into therapy. I have my family to take care of. I have too many people to take care of, and we had talked about that, like you know, you need to, you know, it's helpful, but it's hard to say no to all these other things. She said, sorry, it took me so long. I was like, wow, what a surprise that you gave all of your time to other people. And she just like, (gasps) and looked at me like that and just like wanted to like high five me. And like that created safety. And I was like, and I joke. I was like, is that too far? Did I did I, do I, said, I think I'm speaking eight language right now, but did I go too far? She's like, no, that was so good. It's like, what is wrong with you? Why do you like that? <laughs> um, but that creates a sense of safety, I think. But then shifting it to eights want you to say, tell me where I'm going wrong. Tell me what I need to push into. Give it to me straight. I'm like, actually, what I'm going to do with you now is be gentle and compassionate, accepting, and they hate it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to sort of, because be that way with themselves is so hard. And it can be very off-putting for them. Or, or I'll, yeah, it's interesting. Sometimes I've joined them. I'm like, I'll join you in this like intensity and I'll kind of use it wisely at times. Sometimes I'll join it, sometimes I won't. But I think if I can't make that decision unless I'm regulated, centered in myself, but kind of yeah. joining them in that intensity and kind of creating that safety, but also switching to, you don't need to be beat up more right now. You do that to yourself all the time. Mm-hmm. You need to know that you are innocent and good and yeah, stuff yeah. like that.
0: Is there is there wisdom in terms of the good sorts of anger, the bad sorts of anger when working with an eight? I don't know.
2: That's a, I feel like it's going to vary wildly. I don't know an answer to that. I don't think it becomes, I don't know, anger with,
1: I don't know. I don't know how to answer that question. Yeah. Uh, I I would also think that, um, especially being being a nine in this type of scenario, that there's, there's a fair amount of needing to like be the one in control of the space. Mm. Like that, that's, that's one of the things that I I encounter with my eight friends is like, who's in charge here. And mm. if it's my space, I'm the one in charge and I can actually offer a lot more freedom to them because I mm. don't feel like they're trying to encroach on me. Mm. You know, But so like, I, I would guess like at, as a therapist especially as a nine but in general like working with eights there's there's probably something to like who's in charge in that room Mm. and if the eight's the one that's in charge you might as well go home Mm.
2: sure sure even as a i had a, a somebody who took my course who's an eight say if she's not the biggest in the room she doesn't feel safe sure like not physically big, of course, but like right. powerful and right. And so, and so if, if a client, if an eight client does not trust me to be big and like protect them and, and like be in charge of that space, then mm-hmm. their brain won't even let them go to process trauma. Right. Cause it just won't even allow it. Cause there's right. not a sense of safety for it. But yeah. That's eight skin. And my twin brother's an eight. Mm. And so I love eights. It's such an interesting oh, relationship with him. My man. identical twin brother. He's an eight and I'm oh, a nine, which is fascinating. So many questions <laughs> know, about so twin cool, right? brothers yeah. growing up an eight and a nine. Yep. We and then both. when we learn about the Enneagram, there's such a like, we're so similar in so many ways, but also so incredibly yeah. different. And learning the Enneagram was like, oh, there it is. That's why. Yep. Gut center, there's the similarities, oh, but we do. in that. Exact opposite ways in so many things. It's yeah. fascinating It's it's awesome.
0: Around the circle buries the lead of the eight nine <laughs> twins, man. That's that's a s that's that's a two-hour right. podcast right there. Right. Uh well the nines come in and uh, you can see mm. all the other types well. Can uh, I imagine that you're gonna have a special resonance with uh-huh. the nines, but also Perhaps difficult. What, what do you say to it's, nines about their anger? Nines
2: are either my favorite or my least, or either my most favorite or my most difficult clients. Cause it's like, yeah. I know exactly what you're doing and I don't know how to fix it either. So yeah. I don't know right. what to do. Right. Um, um, but the anger is so hidden or it's so unbelievably passive aggressive. Mm. And it's like, do you really, really not like? had a client who told me that his wife and her having an argument and he went in the bedroom and turned the light off and his wife was angry. So my client's a nine and she went in and turned the light on to like keep him going to sleep because they were very petty. And he sat there and laughed at her. He laughed. I was like, were you angry? He's like, no, it's funny. It's like, no, 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 it
1: wasn't, <laughs> no, it wasn't no, it funny. Wasn't. You were being a jerk on purpose.
2: Yeah, yes. And just so hard to point out. Yeah. Um, or, or to I, I've told, I don't know, I tell clients, nines a lot, especially like, if you're ever angry with me, I want you to share it. I want you to be able to practice expressing that in here. And when they do it, I hate it. It freaks me out, (laughs) but it's so good at the same time. Yeah. I've had a client share with me. That was such a huge moment for her. Like you really upset me last week. And and with my therapist, I actually shared that at one point in time. I was like, you were really irritating last week. And I I told her why. And I wept through the whole thing Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's so hard to admit that. And it feels so awful. And my attention goes on them and how they're reacting to it and how it affects them. And it's so hidden. It's, it's, I'm, it's, I'm fine a lot of times it's fine everything's fine usually means that a nine a lot of times is angry (laughs) um or or it's so easy for them to to be angry for other people i'll say okay this person your boyfriend treated you this way you're not angry about okay let's say your daughter was your age she got treated that way like oh i'd be so pissed off like to sort of separate it from themselves to somebody they care about so much easier for nines to see their anger
0: yeah have never put my finger on that until this last week. What you just said, uh, TJ had an experience of, uh, when we were sitting around a table. TJ got furious at somebody else who wasn't in the room and what they did to somebody who was in the room. Mm. And that's creating calm for the sake of the, the room. But all of a sudden, there's the anger. The anger can just rise up and be unleashed <laughs> on somebody who isn't there and isn't going to be affected made me laugh so anyway that's that's helpful. yeah
2: i have two friends who i talked to sometimes about my anger and when i've let it rip it was so scary but they're like we like michael worked up i'm like oh <laughs> you do that's surprising like it shocked me i almost like didn't believe them at first like why would you like that one yeah. <laughs> well, was an eight so of course you did of course yeah. but yeah nines it's, it's hidden and it's hard to that's one of the most i think that's one of the biggest pieces of work because also when nines get angry they shut down more a lot of times like i don't want to do this and I'm angry about it, but I don't realize that. And so I keep quote forgetting mm. or or stalling or I'm too tired to do it. That's such a sign, in my opinion, of nines trying to move in a direction that actually don't want to move in. Yeah. Sort of being obstinate without even realizing it. <laughs> yeah. And oftentimes nines, when they're angry at other people, it's a lot of they're actually angry at themselves for not being able to set a boundary. Which is very uncomfortable truth to realize for me. <laughs> mm. Like I'm mad at you yes. for taking my time. It's like actually I'm, yes. I'd never said, Don't take my time.
1: Yeah.
2: So I'm really actually mad at myself for not having the guts to say something, and I'm beating myself up for it. <laughs> mm.
0: <laughs> Speaking of types <laughs> that beat themselves up. Uh, we can finish this out with the <laughs> Let's ones do it
2: with the king of. <laughs> uh, there's,
0: there's a uh, especially if you have a radar for saying the shoulds
1: mm-hmm. should be
0: set to the side and the the self focused anger can can be un, unhealthy. Mm. Uh, what, what comes mm. to your mind when when dealing with ones and their anger, especially when it's pointed at themselves?
2: Yeah, not. I, I don't know if you. So many so many ones hold their anger and their tension on their neck in their upper back. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable. I'll say that. Like, <gasps> how do you know I go to the chiropractor once a week? Like, right. so it's just all this, like this <clears throat> holding my breath and keeping it down, and it just ends up all right there physically. I think they're similar to the twos in that it's kind of half hidden. Um, it's they know it's there, but they they see it as yeah, I don't know, the direct or yeah, it's they don't want to see it, especially some ones, like it's bad to be angry shouldn't be angry or it's a sin to be angry depending on how they grew up they can almost once can sort of take whatever religious or cultural lens they came up with and use yeah. that to deny their own anger yeah. um or philosophical lens yeah <laughs> <laughs> yes was that a jab at jeff mm-hmm. okay yeah. i didn't see him react it was a, so it was i a thought true i missed thing, it for a it second a okay a, okay
0: I, I, I just don't care you didn't react <laughs> I it's was like
2: I'm, i laughed maybe that wasn't a jab maybe I <laughs> No, you're good you read it just right. Stone Cold Face. That was awesome. Very no,
0: impressive. actually, what, what I was thinking is the, the idea. I can see the one who's like in my tradition, I have been thoroughly taught not to, to be self-condemning to pieces of crap like myself. It's really <laughs> terrible. <laughs> you know, that, that was what was going through
2: my head. Is like, yeah, be nicer <laughs> to yourself, you idiot. Like yeah, this that's kind how of it goes, right? <laughs> and, and it's I think also ones tend to be very angry just at the way the world is. Hmm. The way things are, it's not like it should be. Things are off. I heard Richard Rohr once say something like, uh, "Can you forgive reality for the way that it is?" <laughs> and I remember thinking, like, "No, even not. I can't. Eat. That's hard." <laughs> yeah. And it's just like it, things are unfair, and it shouldn't be this way. And this kind of this disconnect that ones have from this kind of somewhere in them. This is how things should be, and they're not. And I'm angry about that. And it's so fascinating that what they usually do is they don't question the shoulds; they question Like, I should be able to do this, but I can't. So something must be wrong with me. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold on. What happens if you question the shoulds in the first place? Mm -hmm. That's such a different question of like, and ones expect so much of themselves. Like, they could do this, this, this in life. And then then they have three kids and they're 20 years older. Why can't I do what I used to do? It's like, well, because you had three kids and you're 20 years older and you don't have the energy anymore. But they continue to judge and critique themselves for when they were like at their best and they're angry at themselves for not being able to... I think it's going to vary a lot about ones, but it can be themselves or the way the world is or other people. This just, yeah, there's so much anger there and intensity. Yeah, it just, it can come out in this rigidity and this inflexibility and this tension in their bodies, even in the way even they hold themselves. Truth.
0: Sixes, twos, and ones, as you're talking, it's, those are all the, the types where the problem I imagine that you're going to hear from those types is about the world out there. Mm. Two's with the relationships and sixes with the we wow. talked quite a bit about their fears, but the ones is likewise like I obviously have done just fine the last three years as the world's gone down in flames and 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 I, I clearly have control over all of it <laughs> um, <you know>, toxicity, <laughs> but the if I'm coming to therapy, I imagine that's the first thing on my list is probably going to be all these things I can't control.
1: Mm-hmm. That are
0: probably separated from my immediate circle. I might tell you about like the the problems I'm having with business, or you know, employees, or like here's what the government is doing with with the things that I'm a part of. But I really get fired up about all these things I can't control that are out there. Yeah, um, I don't know if that's like safe landing places for my anger. Like otherwise, it's going to get unleashed on people closer to me. Interesting. Um, oh wow. Okay, like intentionally.
2: But- taking that lens to people outside your circle so you don't hurt the people close to you or something. Yeah. Intentionally or unintentionally. Yeah. That's a lot of ones want to know in therapy kind of, how do I do things right? What's the best way to do things? It's like, if I can just do it right, then everything will be better. Mm -hmm. I actually have a a friend who, a therapist of mine is down the hall. She's black and she grew up with this belief as a one of like, if I just do the right thing and follow the rules or whatever, then nothing's going to happen to me then I'll be okay. And then she realized that she grew up like, that's not the case with my skin, this dark, what do I do with that? And that was right. so difficult. Like I can do all the right things, but this, these bad things can happen. Like, and that was just awful for her to realize that's <laughs> like, yeah. I don't have control over things like I thought I did.
0: You know, um, Built on that, that I, this has been a realization for a real hard place for me the last few years is realizing I, I, I just can't be good enough for you mm, right? for mm. person, for a person X, Y, and Z. Just never gonna, just never gonna be able to be good enough for you, am I? And but that's the filter I'm coming to the relationship with. That's where I'm gra- ga- grabbing my mm. value and how I am in the world. And the filter itself is needs to be thought through, yes, processed, p- potentially discarded. Yeah, I imagine my my focus on on getting angry at politics. I see with other ones in terms of like I'm gonna go over here and I'm you know my dad's a one. He's a triathlete and he's 78. And like all that anger is going into the bike, is mm. going into the swimming regiment, or people who struggle with an eating disorder. Imagine, mm. that. like, mm-hmm. I'm going to take the anger. I would unleash this on my wife, but I'm going to take it. I'm going to do 20 laps instead. Kind of,
2: yeah. Especially if there's an anger, but also I sh- I can't be angry at people, so it's got to go somewhere. Yes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, sure. Uh huh.
0: I imagine Nines would feel some of that, like knowing that they could get angry, so what do you do with that?
2: Yeah, yeah. I'm, I tend to see their side. <laughs> if I can understand where they're coming oh. from, then I don't yeah. have to be as angry. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, you really just care about me, actually. That's why you punched me in the face. That makes sense.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that That's fine. I don't have to be ang- <laughs> angry. I'll just put this... Put this in a in a box on a shelf. Yeah, I believe you have my best intentions.
2: I, it. I, <laughs> yeah. I thank you for caring about me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: By the way, you have an eight uh, brother. Is that what you were saying? Uh-huh. Oh, sorry, uh-huh.
2: <laughs> yes. Oh man, he beat me up a lot growing up. <laughs> <laughs> I had an eight and a three brother, so and my dad a seven, so all assertive types, aggressive types. Wow, which is an interesting dynamic and just kind of my mm. own, a lot of my own nineness and withdrawnness. It's really interesting.
0: Yeah carve out your own space somewhere over there. Over here. You guys do your yes. thing. You guys are crazy. <laughs> Last word on all these types coming to therapy? Uh,
2: uh, what are you looking for? Sorry. Uh, was that a question? I have. Yeah, seriously, that was way too broad.
0: You ever really- I, I didn't want to end with uh, so, your bro- so your brother beat you up. Huh? <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I, that was very thoughtful of you. Thank you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think the, I don't uh, maybe I can. I don't
2: know. Talk about its use in therapy, I, or I, don't know. I got
0: a, a question for you. Like for somebody like my myself, I've wanted to do therapy, never gotten into therapy. Mm. Part of that's my own perfectionism about the person across the table. Part of it is like I have no clue how to find a doctor mm. or a dentist or a you know somebody who's gonna do the work with me, and I really you know the. What the phone book is that? How you find mm. a spouse? Is that how you find somebody that you're going to share your most intimate stuff with? Who's going to help you with the mm. things you care about most? And so, uh, do you have wisdom on on that side of things?
2: So you're saying, as a one, you are worried <laughs> that you'll do pick the wrong person and mess that up. That's so what you're saying partially <laughs> that checks out.
0: <laughs> it was, right. It, for me, it's more I, this coming to a therapist the same way that I would come to a lover. It would be of that sort. Like I'm, I'm that's unethical. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> Lose my license for something like that. I,
0: I saw <laughs> that movie. Um, it it it's like it seems like I I don't know how I go about doing this, but that feels very relational. And mm. of all yeah. things, in our last podcast, we talked quite about this with my type, just not Wayne like it is like it, the the atmosphere needs to be correct to mm-hmm. have what i assume is a very intimate connection do you find yeah, Do you yeah. find the therapies i assume that therapies is intimate
2: it's very in feelings, very vulnerable right? very yeah there's a huge so, connection it's very relational I well and
0: i sort suppose of... it's the case that anyone's who's coming to to that is like what's the wisdom for finding somebody who works for you yeah and Sorry. and
1: like i think each type is going to Struggle for different reasons. Yeah. Like I, I, yes. It, it's so much work for me to find a good therapist that I just, I just find don't want to look into it, to tell uh, your family that you have to so do it. Ugh,
2: might as well just not.
1: Yeah. My, my <laughs> six you, spouse so hard. <laughs> is like, like what if she picks the wrong one? What if, what if it goes badly? Mm. Um, like, etc. cetera for, so, so everyone's going to struggle yeah. with like, how, how do you find in their own way? A yeah. good therapist.
2: So yeah, and so uh, first of all, vet your therapist. The first one you pick is not doesn't have to be, and statistically might probably not be your the your best match. It is okay speed date.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> I tell my clients that. I actually tell them I won't charge them for the first session if they don't like it and don't vibe and want to go somewhere else. Because mm-hmm. I think it's important for them to not feel like they're wasting their money and trying that out. Yeah. Um, it's so important to. I actually have a podcast called Same Time Next Week where I interview people about their therapy experience. And most people reference their Enneagram number too, actually, which is cool. And there's so much wisdom in that podcast, I think, about what safety feels like as a therapist, uh, what kind of therapist you want, what's helpful. Practically speaking, psychologytoday.com has a find a therapist tool. You can put in your location, your insurance or lack of insurance or specialty, and it'll it'll pick all the people closest to you who um, specialize in all those things and um, call and ask questions. Um, Ask how they view change and if they work, if they experience working with stuff that you're working with. Yeah, don't be afraid to vet your therapists. I know it takes a lot of energy, especially for some people to like try again and to start over, but mm-hmm. um and just to know you're not responsible for your therapist's feelings. So um yeah. I mean way easier said <laughs> than done. Um way easier said than done. But don't come back, don't call them again if it didn't work. If you're too afraid to have that conversation, nobody you don't have to do that. <laughs> right. Um yeah, so that that's some of my wisdom. I think in
0: yeah. I think that's excellent. Yeah. I had not put together, obviously everybody's going to struggle finding a therapist for reasons. That's a whole Instagram post podcast yeah. episode itself. That's right. fantastic. <laughs> is, yeah. That's why you still haven't found somebody. <laughs> that's good stuff. Michael, <laughs> it's been a yeah. joy having you, my man. Um, you have, uh, we're going to link, uh, to, you want to pitch course, uh, the course for therapists that you're
2: doing. Uh, yeah. Again. Yes. I do a six week course for oh. therapists. I do it every few months. Um, Teach them from the ground up the structure of the Enneagram and what it looks like and how it works and um, teach them how to use it with their clients, Um, especially as more and more people are learning about the Enneagram. It's such an incredible shortcut to understanding your clients, empathizing, guiding the work, the direction that you're going um noticing the places that you might get stuck it's so helpful so six week course one hour a week live zoom calls and there's it comes with a community of therapists for the discussion over 100 pages of the a workbook that we give out in each each module six modules I love it I love it so much um and start working on starting adding like consultation times after as so we all get discussed and discuss our clients together and what might help and yeah just wanting to create a more collaborative community of therapists um, it's one of my favorite things that I do um, so yeah Check it out. If you have a therapist who you want to know the Enneagram, send them that link and tell them to Ooh. learn.
0: <laughs> nice. A good call. Obviously, got a podcast apparently.
2: Same yes. time next week. Same time next week with a question That's mark on a, it. A great name for a podcast. Isn't that fan- I'm so, so proud good. of it. I'm About so proud of it. Yeah, eight episodes, first season is out. I love it. It was fantastic conversations, and everybody's growth looks different. It's so cool to see. Um, and people have learned a lot, a lot about therapy. Sort of the tagline is demystifying the therapy experience, kind of taking mm. behind the curtain and what it looks like and how it works. And it's, it's, I'm so glad that I did it. I'm going to be doing a second season soon once I get funding, because I can't do it out of my own pocket again, but I definitely love doing it. You should check it out.
0: <laughs> okay. Of course, uh, much love to to Angie, to her health and, and mm, to thank your you.
2: future.
1: Appreciate that.
0: And it's been just a joy having you. So. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's been a blast.
0: Yeah, uh, That's what I got. You got anything else to teach? I got nothing man. This is DJ Wilson. He's officially awesome. I'm Jeff Cook. Who you aren't isn't interesting. Be who you are. And apparently you can go to Psycholo- psychology today to find a therapist.
2: Yes. Psychologytoday.com. <laughs>